Welcome to Katie Talks Trash, where I, Katie, talk trash about all my favorite reality escapism television, uh, mainly about The Bachelor. And recently, there's been enough information about The Bachelor to only talk about The Bachelor, but sometimes I talk about other things because I'm a, I'm a big Bravo fan. Um, and I just want to throw out there um, that the Housewives are really doing the most right now, so if you're not a real Housewives fan, like... Now's a good time. So we have Salt Lake City, who's airing their final reunion episode tonight, and that one's been fun to watch. That's a good, that's a good Housewives. Um, New Jersey has started back. Um, they're a train wreck, and then Atlanta. I haven't watched it yet, but like it's on my list of things to do. They, um, it's a hot mess. They, there was a stripper. One of the ladies may have had relations. Maybe two of the ladies had relations with the stripper. Um, it's, I need to go watch it, honestly. That sounds terrible. This sounds, when I talk about these things, I really sound like a terrible person. But honestly, like, this is this is where I get my fun, guys. Also, I have to apologize um, for my voice. I have, like, the pollen count is really high in Alabama right now, and it is, like, stuck in the back of my throat, and I'm a little sniffly, so I'm going to try to go away from the microphone whenever I need to sniff or cough, but I can't guarantee that that will happen, so I'm just sorry. Also, in my personal life, I have exciting news. I got engaged this past weekend. Um, I kind of knew it was coming. We had wedding plans, but no engagement, so... So, uh, and actually, I was just awful to him last week about it um, because I was getting impatient, and um, he was laughing at me the entire time because he was planning on proposing to me last Friday night. So, so yeah, so I'm engaged. So we're um, putting together some sort of elopement in May, and then we're going to throw a big party for our really close friends and family in June. Oh, see, I have to sneeze now. <laughs> Y'all, the pollen in Alabama is no joke. My car is yellow, and it is in my sinus cavity. So, yeah, anyway, so I'm engaged, and it's really exciting. And then we're moving out to um, his place when my kids are done with the school year. So very excited. I'm very happy. And I didn't have to go on a national television show to find this man. I just had to go on the Internet. We met on Bumble, by the way. Um, if you're a single lady. And honestly, like, I think I just lucked out. Like, I truly just think I lucked out um, <laughs> in finding, like, one normal person who was also on Bumble at the same time. <laughs> and honestly, like, we should not have even found each other. He just happened to be at his sister's house the weekend that we matched, um, which was inside my radius because he lives outside of the radius that I had set. And so... We really shouldn't have even connected at all, which is really entertaining. Um, and the only reason I uh, agreed to go out with him in the first place was because we had a mutual friend that I'd known basically my entire life and that he'd been in the Air Force with. And so, like, I was like, our mutual friend would not hang out with complete losers or idiots or really terrible people. So I was like, yeah, sure. Like, that's kind of cool. And now we're getting married a year later. Um, so yeah, so that's really exciting. Um, so I won't, I won't bore you on this podcast with the details of my nuptials, but I mean, if you want to know, like you can follow me on Instagram, I guess. I'm like debating, do I want to be one of those like wedding TikTokers? Because now the internet has figured out that I'm engaged. Oh my gosh. In the past like three days. The internet has figured out that I'm engaged, and um, all I'm getting is ads for wedding things that I'm absolutely not going to do, because this is not my first go-around. Um, this is not his first go-around. So, like, we're not doing, like, the big wedding thing. Um, we're literally eloping. It's just going to be me and him. I'm not even taking my kids. And then a party for just close friends and family. But I'm getting, like, ads for, like, full-blown ball gowns and, like, bachelorette parties in Nashville, which I'm never going to do and then um you know just like all the things that you do with a first wedding um when really we're just gonna have like a barbecue in the backyard and um drink a lot of water uh 
So I'm like debating, do I want to do like a, a wedding TikTok of like, these are all the things you don't have to do on your second wedding. Um, I mean, God forbid anybody, and having a second wedding is, it's not the ideal when you're having your first wedding, but uh, I know I'm not alone in this situation. So, um, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's where I am in my personal life. So that's exciting. I have four months to get married, throw a party, move. Um, yeah, be super fun. I'm going to be a little stressed out. So, um, and also we're almost to the end of the season and I've got to figure out, do I, I think I may take a break from this podcast. I think, we're, I think we're going to get a paradise season this summer. Um, so there's not been any talks about it, but I think that we are, um, there's no reason that we shouldn't. I mean, these people are quarantining to do the bachelor. They can quarantine to do paradise and they can do it, you know, stateside. They don't have to go to the Caribbean to do this. They all live in LA anyways, like just put them in a house um, speaking of houses, that's another um, Bravo show that you should get interested in. Summer House, hysterical. It's a great binge watch. Um, they're all just kind of like terrible people living in one house. And this season, they are actually quarantining. They spent six weeks total. Usually they they all live in New York, and then they go, and they rent a house for the summer in the Hamptons. So they only film on the weekends, typically, when they're at their Hamptons house. And but they've decided in order to have a summer house season, they are living and working for six weeks total together. And it is, it, that show is really funny also. So if you're not a summer house watcher, that's a good, that's a good foray into the Bravo universe, um, summer house. So they're probably the most relatable of all the people on Bravo. Um, they have actual jobs that they talk about. I mean, like one of them's an influencer and one of them's a podcaster, but another one, like they run their own company. There's another person who's a PR person. So like they have like actual jobs outside, outside of being a Bravo celebrity, but some, some people do not. That's a great show. Also, there was a, um, this week, one of the girls is in an argument with her boyfriend and because he's asked her every day to make a sandwich while he's working, like he works and he's been working from, like, sun up to sun down, as many of us have been doing in the pandemic. And he works in the hospitality industry, which I also do. And I understand how stressful that is in the time of COVID. So um, she looks at him one time, and she's drunk as a skunk. And she's like, how many sandwiches have you made for me? And I'm like, I can't wait to use that. I cannot wait to yell that at my fiancé. It's going to be great. And he's going to be like, I'm not fixing you a freaking sandwich. So, um <laughs> Okay, so in Bachelor news, um, the Chris Harrison, Rachel Lindsay situation has kind of died down a little bit. We know that Chris is not going to be there for after the final rose. I think it's going to be interesting who they ask to host that. Um, I don't think it'll be Rachel Lindsay. I think she's going to say no to that. Um, I think it'll be a JoJo um, or, I don't know, really, she's the only acceptable person at this point. Um, I don't think some of the older They've just got too many things going on in their lives. I think that JoJo will probably end up being the one that um, sits in a lot for Chris Harrison. And also, I've seen a lot of people just, like, asking for Michelle's dad to take over for Chris Harrison. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about parents here in a little bit. Um, and then, also in Bachelor News, um, Claire and Dale are back together. They've not confirmed it on the internet aside from like each making an Instagram story from the opposite side of the table showing the plates, but like the plates had the name of the restaurant written on, written on the plate itself. So like it was clear that they were in the same restaurant sitting at the same table. And then um, there's like paparazzi pictures of them on beach. She's like slapping his butt and they're kissing or whatever. And so again, like I said last week, like more power to them. Let's just let them. Let's let them. Um, Matt James did finally make a statement this week, um, and I have it pulled up. I think it's a really good statement. Um, he posted this, like, right at the beginning of um, the episode on Monday. So at, like, 7 p.m. he posted this. I had to sniff. I'm sorry. So I'm going to read it because I think it's a really good statement. Um, the past few weeks have been some of the most challenging of my life, and while there are several episodes of the season, it's important to take time 
that I take time to address the troubling information that has come to light since we wrapped filming, including the incredibly disappointing photos of Rachel Kirkinell and the interview between Rachel Lindsay and Chris Harrison. The reality is that I'm learning about these situations in real time, and it has been devastating and heartbreaking, to put it bluntly. Chris's failure to receive and understand the emotional labor that my friend Rachel Lindsay was taking on by graciously and patiently explaining the racist history of the Annabelle South, a painful history that every American should understand intimately, was troubling and painful to watch. As black people and allies immediately knew and understood, it was a clear reflection of a much larger issue that the Bachelor franchise has fallen short on addressing adequately for years. This moment has sparked critical conversations and reporting, raised important questions, and resulted in inspiring displays of solidarity from the Bachelor Nation. It has also pushed me to reevaluate and process what my experience on The Bachelor represents, not just for me, but for all of the contestants of color, especially the black contestants of this season and seasons past, and for you, the viewers at home. I will continue to process this experience, and you will hear more from me in the end. My greatest prayer is that this is an inflection point that results in real and institutional change for the better. I thought that was actually a very excellent statement. I feel like Matt actually wrote that. It wasn't like a publicist statement either. It sounded like something he would say. Because I don't think at the time that Matt realized the importance of being the first black bachelor. And honestly, I see him being a person that went into it saying, you know what, I'm not going to focus on the fact that I'm a black bachelor. I'm going to focus on just being myself and sort of normalize black people in this franchise. I, I can see that being his thought process. Um, I don't think he took the job thinking he was going to be a bastion of civil rights, you know, um, and unfortunately, and I think had, had this stuff come out about, had not come out about Rachel, that maybe we, we wouldn't be having these conversations. So I think he's kind of taking on a new mantle um, given the light of the circumstance and the Chris Harrison situation, just at, I'm still like about that. Um, I think that he kind of gets it now in real time, and I think that the after the final rose will be very interesting. Um, I'm wondering when that's going to be filmed. It's not ever live um, for editing purposes, but. Um, I don't know, maybe it will be live. I'm not sure. Um, it would be interesting if it was. I, yeah, here's what I think has happened. I think that he and Rachel end up together. I really do. I think that um, she's who he picks, and the majority of the After the Final Rose episode will be this reckoning. Um, and unfortunately, I think it's going to be terrible for Rachel. I think it's going to be absolutely awful for her. Um, it's, it's hard to confront your racism internally. I can't imagine what it would be like trying to confront it on a national television show, especially if they are together. Um, I don't see Matt James like being the person who would like break up with her because of this. I also don't see him being a person that would break up with her because of the social pressure of it. Um, it just doesn't quite seem like his character. So um, that's going to be really interesting to watch. I think it will be interesting to see who they pick to host that. And honestly, it might be good to get somebody like outside of the Bachelor franchise to host it. We're on ABC. Like, get um, what's her face? It's on GMA. Robin. I don't ever watch ABC News, but you know what I'm talking about. Robin, Robin. Um, she's the black lady. She's also a lesbian. Anyway, she just, um, she would be a great person for that. Maybe they will. I don't know. I have no idea. No clue. Nothing has come out about that, which leads me to believe they haven't filmed it yet. So, um, and I think that Matt's going to be able to make his, his actual statement there. So that's good. Okay, so let's get into this actual episode of Hometowns, but not so Hometowns. Um, 
they've quit doing the cold opens, which makes me very happy, which I'm kind of shocked they did in this episode because um, Rachel hitting the ground during skydiving it makes for a great cold open, but they didn't. We're into, like, the this episode of The Bachelor. Um, and we do open up on Matt um, working out and contemplating life. We haven't had a shirtless Matt James in a really long time. Um, I fully expected at the beginning of the season we would get a shirtless Matt James at least once an episode. And we had, for like the first four episodes, we got a half-naked Matt James every episode. We got a shirtless Tyler Cameron. But we haven't had a shirtless Matt James in quite some time. Um, but the Peloton is back. He's working out on the Peloton. Um, and he's like contemplating life and what he's going to do this week and how important hometowns to him and, and like good gravy he is boring on my television I love him but he is boring for television he's just boring um so Chris Harrison comes in to talk to the girls about hometowns and you gotta wonder if like the editors if the editors this past week have been like do we just like edit him out how do we edit him out of this show because like every time he shows up on the tv you know all of us are going you also have to wonder if rachel's family was edited differently as a result um there's no evidence of that we have no idea i think everything could have been left as is um but you just have to wonder if the editors were like oh god what do we do um but there's no way to edit chris harrison out of like the last episode you know where he's like picking an engagement ring and all of the like emotional turmoil of the last episode. There's no way to edit Chris Harrison out of that, so I guess they're just gonna like go with it. Um, and Chris Harrison comes in and he's talking to them about their hometowns and who all from each family is there. Serena has her mom, dad, and sister. Rachel has her mom, dad, and sister. Michelle has her mom and dad. Bree has her mom and best friend, who is also named Bree, and her baby sister. And when I mean baby sister, we mean baby sister and then michelle finds out that her date is actually today and my chair is so squeaky and i know y'all can hear it that's my chair squeaking um it's got a like a stripped screw that falls out all the time and it just makes a really noisy chair okay so michelle finds out her day is today um we get three jump hugs in this episode um michelle gives us one of them and then they realize they're wearing the same sweater it looks great on them. It looks great. They're both wearing like lilac colored sweaters, like a light purple. <laughs> and Matt James has a good sweater game. Like Matt James loves a sweater. I haven't seen, has this man been in a button up shirt? It is all sweaters all the time. A lot of times they're turtlenecks. This particular one was not a turtleneck. And honestly, it reminded me of Ross Geller's purple sweater. Do y'all remember that episode? Where it turns out it's a, it's a women's <laughs> sweater. Um, so their date, Michelle tells him that one of the things that she did in her family, and I, I don't know if Michelle is an only child or not, um, but their family always did an evening bike ride. So that is what their, um, their little, um, one-on-one date is. They're going to take an evening bike ride and then they walk into a room at the name of Golan where he meets her students from her class on a Zoom, and it's really cute. Um, And these kids have really great questions. They grill Matt James. Is she getting a rose? Are you getting married? How many girlfriends do you have? Have y'all kissed? I mean, they are like, I was hoping for, like, a real savage kid in all of this. Maybe there was one. They left him out in editing. But, like, I was hoping for, like, a real savage um and then at the end they all give him two thumbs up um and you can just tell that michelle is probably a wonderful teacher she has a great connection with these kids she's very natural she seems to love them um and i thought this was great that we got a little insight into michelle because we don't know anything about these women like it was so evident this episode that we know nothing about them um, we don't know much about their families. We don't know much about their, um, I have no idea if I mute my computer, if it hates me. So I'm sorry for my email notifications. Anyways, 
we don't know anything about them. I would love to know. I say this every week. I would love to know more about Michelle as a teacher, Michelle as a person. Um, we There are things that come up in these hometown dates that I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, especially with Michelle and Serena, they both reference, um, and I think Bree does too, um, past heartache or something that they have gone through recently, and we know nothing about it, and there is no elaboration. We spent way too much time this season on people that don't matter. Um, and I, I hate it. So, anyways, uh, Matt says in his In the Moment interview that he sees everything that he wants in Michelle. And all of us are screaming at the same time, us too, Matt, pick Michelle, pick Michelle. Although I feel like he's not going to. I think this is going to end up being like, um, Matt is going to choose between um, the person he's just attracted to in Rachel and the person that makes the most logical sense in Michelle. I think that's what this is going to come down to. Um, and he's going to pick Rachel because men always pick someone who makes, who they're attracted to over like what makes the most sense. So, uh, anyway, so we're going to get to Michelle's family. Her parents are really cute. I did notice all of the women of color that are left are actually of mixed race of some sort. Um, Michelle has a white mom and a black dad. I find, I just find that interesting. I don't think it matters. It doesn't matter. Um, but I find that interesting that Matt is attracted to a similar family setup. So Michelle has a white mom. Bree has a white mom. Serena's mom is of a different race. She's not black, and I can't tell what she, what, what she, what her heritage is. Um, she looks almost Middle Eastern. It could be Hispanic, um, but to me, it leans a little more Middle Eastern, like. I don't know, like Lebanese, Israeli, something along those lines, maybe Iranian, something along those lines. Um, and the only one with two white parents is Rachel, which I don't think I needed to say that out loud. But um, <laughs> uh, so I just find that interesting that he's that's what he's attracted to as opposed to women who clearly are from two black parents like Chelsea. Um, I just find that very interesting. So Michelle looks so much like her dad, and her dad is a, oh my gosh, I love him. He is so cute. Um, and he has really great things to say about his daughter, too, which I also really love. Um, so she's talking to her dad, and he asks what she loves about him, and she says she loves Matt's heart for service, which I think is a really important part. Like, Michelle is a teacher, and she talks about Matt's charity work for children, and they connect on that level. Um... And, again, she talks about something about a bad breakup. But I don't know because my kids in the moment would not shut up about fun dip. I eventually kicked them out of the room because I didn't, I didn't hear this part. Um, and then her dad asks, are you going to say yes if he proposes? And she says she would. And then while Matt and her dad are talking, um, which – by the way, all of these parents, I don't know if they stayed in the same house or if they just rented this one house, but <laughs> he talks to all the dads in the same spot in this, like, outside on the chairs around a fire thing. It's just really entertaining. Um, but her dad asks if, you know, he's expressed his feelings to Michelle, and he says that he's not said he's in love with her because he hasn't said that to her yet, and I respect that. Matt is very careful with his words. Unlike other bachelors that, um, and I think I talked about this last week, unlike other bachelors who are just like spewing their love for everybody at once, and it is clear that Matt likes every single one of these girls, he's very careful about his words because I think he knows he's going to have to break their hearts. And so he's just very thoughtful about what he says. And he says that, no, he hasn't told her um, how he feels about her completely because, or he doesn't tell her dad because he hasn't told her. And he wants to tell her that first. And I, I do respect that. Um, and her dad says some wonderful things about his daughter. You know, that they trust her. They trust her decision-making. For him, sure, maybe it's too fast. But for her, if that's what he decides, then what she decides, then, then they're going to support it because they trust her. 
Um, Michelle does tell her mom that she thinks that Matt is the one. And then they all play basketball together, and it's really cute. So I'm wondering if, like, we know Michelle was an athlete, so I'm thinking basketball may have been her sport. She also looks like somebody who may have been really involved in track. I don't know. I just get that vibe. Um, and then at the end of the day, they all sit on this bench outside of the same house, which is really entertaining to me. I can't imagine sitting um, on the same bench four nights in a row and having a woman tell me that they love me on the same bench. This just got to be weird, you know? Or maybe that helps in the decision-making. Like, if you're in the same spot, like, and it, you're going to get a different emotion invoked with every single one of these women, like, pick your favorite. <laughs> um, and she does tell him for the first time that she's falling in love with him. I, and Matt says the same thing to every girl. Bless it. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, but I do appreciate that he would vote that. Um, I love Michelle so much. I really want her to be the one at the end. I think they fit best together. I think it's the most logical decision. Um, and she also seems the most emotionally ready for this, um, for getting married in six weeks, you know. <laughs> um, they are the most natural fit with each other. So, but again, I think he's going to break all of our hearts and he's not going to pick her. But like Michelle, we love you. Okay, so let's go on to Rachel. Uh, she pulls up to the hotel at the Nemecolon to pick up Matt, and she's in a prowler. Heather drove a minivan. Never forget. Then she blindfolds him and puts him in the prowler to drive like a maniac. I think it's down one road, like a straight road, to their skydiving date. I'm not really sure he needed to be blindfolded, but okay. And a lot of <laughs> memes have been made about... <laughs> all the memes that have been made about comparing it to the scene in Get Out where where the girl, Allison Williams, I don't even remember her name, is driving Chris, Daniel Kaluuya, to her parents' house in the woods before we know what's going on. Um, it's There's a lot of comparisons being made to Get Out this episode. Uh, that's so bad. Um, and then I'm like, okay, we would not think that if we didn't know the situation. But um, And then they're going to go skydiving. And they're both up for it, which is fun. But, like, not me. I don't want to skydive ever. I like, I, in fact, I've had this conversation multiple times this week um, with, like, the Mars rover landing. And we watched Interstellar a few weeks ago. And then, like, um, I like my feet firmly planted on the ground. I am glad that there are people in the world who want to explore space and there are people who want to explore the deep sea. I am not either of those people. I know. And, like, there's commercials out there of, like, reserve your SpaceX spot, and they're saying that, like, we're going to send, like, regular citizens into space in the next, like, five years or whatever. You can go ahead and buy a spot. Like, Lance Bass has had his spot for, like, years, you know? Um, I'm not one of those people. I'm not going to space ever, ever. And I'm not getting in a submarine ever. I like the solid ground. So, again, with the skydiving, I like the solid ground. I don't want to jump out of an airplane. And it only becomes more evident that I never want to do that with the snake. So they, like, jump out of the plane. And both of them are, like, really excited about it. Like, they're having a great time up in the sky. Both of their parachutes deploy. Matt lands safely. And Matt does it right. He has his, like, feet... He's, like, sitting the way you're supposed to, I assume, land um, when you're skydiving. But something goes wrong with Rachel's because she's not prepared to hit the ground at all. And her, I don't know if they're, like, going too fast or if they caught a gust of wind or what, but um, she and her instructor hit the ground hard. Like, I don't know how she didn't break things. And it makes me wonder if maybe she did, like, break some ribs or something. And there's just nothing you can do for broken ribs except take it easy. So, um, it was, like, scary. Like, she could have hurt. She could have really gotten hurt. Um, and, of course, the Internet has had a heyday with it. Um, and it, like, takes a minute for her to get up. And when she first gets up, she has, like, grass. She rolls over, and she's like, I have so much grass in my mouth right now. Um, and, like, her hair is disheveled, and there's, like, grass and stuff in her hair. 
And then all of a sudden she doesn't, which I find really entertaining that, like, they called in somebody to brush her hair and, like, fix her makeup and stuff before they filmed (laughs) the next scene of them still sitting there. But Matt telling her that, like, yo, when you hit the ground, it scared the crap out of me. And, like, it made me realize that I don't want to lose you. And this is is another moment where I feel like this is how we know Rachel wins. Um, because Matt has this, like, traumatic experience with her, and, like, it affected him. Um, because, like, you can watch somebody fall down and have no emotional connection to the fact that they fell down, but, like, if it's somebody that you truly care about, like, it, there's, like, that sinking gut feeling, and I think he had that when she hit the ground, because he watched the whole thing happen. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, I think, Here's my personal opinion. I think it's been Rachel the whole time. I think that they've had the quiet conversations without the cameras about um, it's you and I have to get through the others to get to you. Um, That's just how I personally feel. I don't think he's as emotionally connected to anybody as he is with Rachel. I think he likes the other women. Um, I think it's been Rachel the whole time. That's just me. Um, And then we go to her parents. And her dad is already negative before they even walk in the door. He's very skeptical of the process. Um, We could all say that he may be skeptical of the fact that he's black. We don't know that. There is no conversation about race at all with her parents. And it makes me wonder, like, would we think differently if we didn't know what we know? Would we be bringing racial bias into this if we did not know what we know about Rachel's past and her family um and it's really hard to watch this knowing what we know because now we are putting those biases on even though they don't speak about it at all not one time do we talk about race with Rachel's family and to be honest, her parents remind me of every person I've ever known from the South of like, we're, the, the people in the South are not ever, there is a very small percentage of people in the South who are going to speak about racial biases out in the open. Because we know that racism is terrible. Like we know that the racial, our inherent racial biases um, that we have are bad that they're not good, and so we don't talk about them um, because we know it makes us a terrible person. And I think that her parents are the exact same way. So while they may be thinking, I don't want my daughter to marry a black man, not that there's anything, here's the, it's so hard to explain. It is so very hard to explain if you're not from the South, like truly. Um, So like, I've had these conversations and I've had these conversations with myself and I've had these conversations with people around me and it's like we don't believe that there's anything wrong with mixed marriages we don't but we also don't do them I personally have never dated a black man I'm not opposed to it I just never have Um, and it does present a set of challenges that are difficult and you know I've had conversations with people of like I don't want my daughter to date a black man just because he's a black person I don't want my daughter to date a black man because of the set of challenges that it will present I don't know if that's right or wrong or you know I, I don't know um and remembering that mixed marriages are still relatively taboo even in the south in 2021 so while the rest of the world may have moved on with those sorts of things it is still very much taboo in the deep south and no we don't talk about it maybe we should be talking about it maybe that's why we have all these problems we should be talking about it um, so yeah, so back to Rachel's parents. I just feel like they're every every Southern parents that we've ever known that like again, they have been raised in an echo chamber. They're raising their children in an echo chamber and they've never experienced it. They've never exposed their children to things. 
and all of their friends, all of their family looks exactly like them. And there's no reason for them to ever go out of the echo chamber. So therefore, they have never had to confront their racial biases. It doesn't make it right. I'm just saying that's just the way that things are here. So um, Rachel says that she tells her mom that she's not seen a red flag at all in Matt. And her mom says, really? Not one? You haven't seen one? And her parents are just super negative the entire time. And I imagine as a parent, I probably would be too. If my daughter tells me she's going on The Bachelor and then she makes it to the final four and you're telling me you fell in love with this man after three dates? I'm going to be really skeptical also about that but then also like I kind of did too outside so like I'm, I'm thinking about my own personal experience and you know my my boyfriend and I on like the third date like I knew he was going to be around a long time clearly clearly that worked out but I also would be skeptical that you know are you sure it's not conventional by any ways. And so maybe I would be a little skeptical, you know, if my daughter did this. But I also really like Michelle's approach, Michelle's parents' approach of like, I trust you. Like, if you say that this is right for you, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to support you. And, and Rachel's parents do come around and say that at the end. Like, if this is what my daughter chooses to do, then I'm going to love her and I'm going to support her through it. So they do say that at the end. Um, and then Rachel says she would say yes if he proposed. Matt says this is the only person he says in the entire episode that he's falling in love with her. Um, and her dad makes the same points to Matt that I would. This is too fast. There's three other girls. Are you saying these same things to the other girls? And Matt says, you know, what you would expect him to say. When I'm with Rachel, I'm only thinking about Rachel. And when I'm with the other girls, I'm only thinking about them. And I look at each one of these relationships separately. But we all know that's bullcrap. There's no way. You're comparing these women. You're comparing these women. It's natural. It's what our human instinct is going to do. Um, Rachel tells him or tells us in the moment that she's a little disappointed that Matt didn't ask for her dad's blessing. But Matt makes a really good point. I don't want to ask a person, a parent's permission or blessing or whatever. Um, I don't want to ask that of every parent. I don't want to ask that of four different families because I want to only ask the one, the one that I'm going to pick. I will call their parents when I've made a decision. And again, I... I fully respect Matt in the way that he's treating this process of, like, I don't want to do things just to check a box. I don't want to do things because they're expected of me. I don't want to do things that I know I'm going to have to take back later. So I appreciate that. Um, but Rachel, I think, feels like they were in the position to have um, made that decision already, and maybe that's because of the internal conversations that they've had. So that's Rachel's date. Again, it's hard to watch not knowing, knowing what we know. It's hard not to put our own biases on top of the situation that we actually didn't see. So, anyways, that's all I'm going to say about Rachel. Um, Bree. So, it's Bree's date. She drives up in a Jeep. Heather had a minivan. Never forget. Um, Bree also does a jump hug. Rachel is the only non-jump hugger. Um, I don't think that matters at all in the long scheme of things. But, like, the jump hug is a very um, loved trope on this show. Again, I've never jump hugged anybody. I would knock my, I guess my fiance. I get to say fiance now. That's fun. Um, I'm affianced. Uh, I would knock him down. Or he would let me fall. Uh, we just have that sort of relationship. He loves me deeply, but like he would let me fall just for fun. Um, <laughs> okay, so they go off roading in this jeep for the date and. Bree tells him it's his payback for their first one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> the, um, the ATV accident where he almost killed her. <laughs> and she she goes for it, and I love it. Like, this is, I would do this. This looks like fun. 
Um, and while they're talking, Bree does tell him that her mom is probably going to be really tough on him because of her role as the single mom. She's had to be mom and dad. Um, and then she expresses some insecurity of not being able to give him the conventional family on her side. And Matt's like, yeah, but, like, I didn't have that either. So, like, my family was the perfect family. Your family is the perfect family because that's just what we know. Uh, Bree's baby sister is adorable. Matt looks really uncomfortable around the baby, even though he's trying to present, pretend that he doesn't. Um, her mom, I love Bree's mom. Like, Bree's mom was the star of the show. She, first of all, is 37 years old, 38. She's younger than Claire. She's only, like, a couple of years older than Matt. Um, she had Brie when she was, like, 13 or 14 years old. So, like, she's only, like, three years older than me. She actually is the same age as my fiancé, which is hysterical. I can't imagine. Like, I have children, and I had children when I was young. I was 25 when I had my daughter. I was 27, 28, about to be 28 when I had my son. I cannot imagine knowing what kind of work and emotional um, stability it takes to have children. And I still think I was very young. Like, if I were to have children again, which we, you know, we were talking about if we wanted to do that. But, like, if I were to have children again, I would probably be a way chiller parent at this point in my in my life. Because I'm, you know, I've done it, I've seen it, you know. I cannot imagine my... 13, 14-year-old self having a baby, it just, it's so much. And so I admire anyone who has, you know, had children where they were still a child themselves and raised the child. And then they turn out to be somebody like Brie, who seems to be, at least on what we know of her, which isn't much, ABC. Um, she seems to be, like, a very accomplished um <laughs> normal human being like she seems to be like a a great person and I really admire people who are able to do that so um Brie Brie's mom even says um can I steal you for a second which is hilarious love it um and then he she like straight up asks the hard questions he she wants to know how do you feel about her um what does this look like for you do you see Brie at the end and Matt does say yes and then when she talks to Brie um, she asked the same questions of, of Brie, you know, like, how are you really feeling about this? Is this something that you really see happening? And she says, yes, that like, she is falling for him. And then Brie's mom says, like, the best thing that you could say to your child in this moment. Like, she says, best case scenario, you found the love of your life. Worst case scenario, you and I are mending a broken heart together. Oh, so good. I'm going to have to remember this when my children are older. Like, this is how you empower your daughter to make decisions. Whatever the outcome is, I'm in it with you. You know, whatever your outcome is, I will be there to help you pick up the pieces or I'll be there to celebrate it. Like, whatever it is, I'm there for you. Oh, I love it. Such a great, what a great lesson, a master class in parenting adult children. I loved it. Great job. Kudos. Um, so then after, when they're sitting on the bench outside of the house, um, she does tell him that he is falling, she's falling in love with him. He, of course, says, thank you for sharing that with me. I just, I don't think this is a red flag. Some people are saying that this is a red flag. I don't think it's a red flag. I think it is just a, an example of how Matt is thoughtful. And I like it. He's protecting each one of the women. So, okay, so let's move on to Serena P. I honestly forgot Serena was part of this top four, but, like, it really didn't matter at the end of this. Um, she gives him another jump hug, and Serena says since they couldn't go to Canada, she brought Canada to Matt, and she's going to teach him how to be a Canadian. It's a little cringy. Um, the other three dates were a little more fun, um, but it's a little cringy. And I think it speaks to the level of surface relationship that Serena has with Matt at this point. Um they learn about Canada. She, like, quizzes him. They eat Canadian delicacies. And then they play hockey. And that's pretty much it. They seem to have fun together. But I don't, I think it's evident here that Serena is not at the level as the other, at least Michelle and Rachel. 
Um, so then we go in and we meet Serena's parents and her sister. And Serena's sister just calls her out. She says, you do not seem smitten. And Serena's like, I mean, I like him. And she's like, nope. Nope. And, like, you can see reality maybe set in with Serena in this moment of, like, uh, maybe this isn't what I want. And I don't see it for them anyways. Um, and she says that Matt checks all the boxes, but maybe the emotions aren't there. She's not 100% sure. She has doubts. There's something holding her back, and she can't figure out what it is, what she's telling her mom. And then in the end, she's just not doing well. She's not doing okay with these parents. And um, if you feel like this the week away from a proposal at any point in your life, it is probably not what you should do. I laughed with my fiancé after he actually asked me, and I asked him, I said, are you nervous? And he's like, no, I knew the answer. And I was like, you know what? That's a really great point, and I've always said this. Like, if you are proposing to someone and you are unsure what the answer will be, then you should not propose. You should only propose if you absolutely know Um, if you're proposing to somebody as a surprise and y'all have never talked about marriage before, don't do it. If you are proposing to someone, um, as like a make or break point in your relationship, you should not do that. If you do not know what your, um, supposed fiance is going to say, you should not do it. That's just me. Um, yeah. And that's, um, you know, they sit outside and Serena says these things to him. I do have doubts. I do have hesitations. And that, like hits Matt in the gut. Um, so then he sits down with Chris Harrison and um, he expresses his concern about Serena P and where her head is and he feels like she's not meeting him halfway. So he decides to go and find her and talk to her. And Serena is like surprised in this moment. Um, clearly she knew she was about to be filmed. But I'm wondering if, if they didn't tell her who was coming, if she thought maybe it was going to be Chris Harrison or if it was going to be someone from her family, but it ends up being Matt. She seems genuinely shocked that he's there. Um, and he, I think he goes there with the point of reassuring her of his feelings. Like, yes, I have picked, I picked you. You were the only one who got two one-on-ones. The time I wanted to spend with you was intentional. I don't want you to doubt my feelings for you. And then Serena, like, throws it back on him. She puts the reverse card down and she says, if she wants to be honest with herself in the process and not just him and that he is not her person. Um, Matt is shocked in this moment, but I also think he kind of knew that it would end up this way. And y'all, they put him, he was like, okay, will you walk me down? And they put him in the limo and he leaves and we get crying Matt in the limo. And I think he's really upset. I think he really did like Serena, but I think also, like, I don't know that Matt has ever been rejected before. I don't think he expected at any point in this show to be rejected, and now he's been rejected by Sarah, by Kit, and by Serena. And I think he he really cared about Sarah, and he really cared about Serena. I don't think he cared that much about Kit. So, um, so yeah, that's the end of Serena. She self-eliminates. And so he goes into the rose ceremony. The other girls don't know, of course. First of all, before we talk about this rose ceremony, these girls look so dang good in this rose ceremony. Like, they pulled out all the stops, especially Brie. This gown she has on, it's black, it's high neck, but in the back, it's really low cut, and it has this little chain on the back. She looks stunning. Brie, Brie is getting the Bachelorette edit. I think Brie may be our next Bachelorette. There's been all the rumors about Katie. There's been some wants about Abigail. I think Bree's our next Bachelorette. I would love that. I think she's phenomenal. Anyways, they all just look like just gorgeous in this uh, rose ceremony. Um, so then Matt comes in. They're all like, what is she doing? Is Serena coming? Is she coming? Did she leave? Maybe she left. I don't know. It's really funny. Um, and then Matt comes in and tells them that he is in, expecting an engagement at the end of this, and they should not accept the rose he's about to give them if they are not ready to say yes when he proposes. He is really, really straightforward with these women. Um, again, another admirable trait about Matt James. He just happens to be boring while he's saying all of it. Anyways, then he says, Michelle, 
and she accepts the rose and she says, yes, without hesitation. Those are her words. Then we have Rachel. She says yes. And then we have Bree. She says yes. So they all three get roses. Um, Bree says that she's a little disappointed she got the last rose, but then like somebody has to get the last rose, you know? Um, yeah, that's the end of it. Um, so preview is the women tell all is next week. Honestly, I'm not, it's going to be a shit show. And like, I don't know that I'm really excited about it. I don't, I really don't care. I know it's like a reunion of sorts, but I hate these episodes because we're just rehashing things that we've hashed and hashed and hashed for weeks. It's particularly this season. So the main thing that I'm looking forward to is just, like, a reckoning of Victoria. Like, I hope that she sits there and realizes that she looked like a terrible person. <laughs> That's it. So then we get, in two weeks, we're going to have fantasy suites. Matt's mom is coming back. There's lots of crying. Matt is on a curb in the preview, and he's not okay. I'm thinking somebody self-eliminates, and I think it's either going to be Michelle or Bree. I don't think it's Rachel. It's either going to be Michelle or Brie. Someone is going to self-eliminate in the fantasy suites, and I think it's going to happen. Someone is going to say no to the key, which we know that's what we do in fantasy suites. So they have like a day date, and then they have a dinner, and then during the dinner he presents them with a, a key to the fantasy suite, and I think that somebody is going to say no to it, and I think that's where we are. It's going to it's gonna blindside Matt. I don't think he's sending anybody to home, so... Um, interesting. Um, yeah, I guess that's it for this week. Next week is Women Tell All, boo. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. And then, yeah, if you're not following me on Instagram, make sure that you do, at Katie Talks Trash, where I live story my way through the episodes. Um, and then make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm available on all platforms. Give me a review if you made it all the way through this episode. And yeah, that's it. Cheers to next week.